You are listening to episode 17, Complicated Mother Grief. Little bit of a trigger warning going into this episode. We're going to be talking about death and we're going to be talking about abuse. That being said, let's dive in. Welcome to Get Yourself Back, a podcast designed especially for those recovering from narcissists. Here, I teach you how to heal, how to feel lasting peace, lead with love, and create the life you want, no matter what you've been through or who is in your life. Hi, I'm Laura, by the way, and I'm the coach for people dealing with narcissists who have lost themselves trying to survive. It's time to get yourself back. Let's go. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. It's been a minute. I haven't updated in a while. A lot of things have been going on, not the least of which putting my life back together. We've talked about this in a previous episode, but I really appreciate your patience because creating and doing things in the business is very much dependent upon how I'm doing mentally and emotionally. And so I'm really excited to be finally recording again. And there's a lot of fun new updates going on in my life. So since that last September, my kids have grown, which is so amazing. My baby girl, she's almost 18 months old. I can't believe it. My boys are growing taller. They're getting more and more fun each and every day. And being their mom really is truly the best thing ever. It was just recently Mother's Day, which is, has inspired the production of this particular podcast episode about complicated mother grief. It was a wonderful Mother's Day, and it was also a complicated Mother's Day, and it was also a very hard Mother's Day. So I'm really here for all of it, and I hope your Mother's Day was relatively good, but likely if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably been a little complicated for you, Um, not just for Mother's Day, but for any time you're dealing with your mother. So I am learning so much about navigating a business while healing, and I've been slowly starting to increase my client load, getting really back into the swing of things. It's definitely been a slow process. And the most exciting part about all of this is that I have changed as a person. I've changed as a coach and I want my business to begin to reflect that. So the look and the feel and the purpose of my business and the content I put out there is going to shift a little bit. You're going to start seeing some changes um, going through a rebrand right now. And I am actually currently working on releasing an entirely new podcast. It's not set to launch for a few more months, so don't worry. This won't be the last episode here on this particular podcast because I do love love it here and I love all the episodes we do here. So I've got a few episodes left I want to share here, but soon we will be retiring. Get yourself back. I don't know if I'll take it off the air. I think I really love all of the episodes and all of the help that it's been giving everyone and we'll just maybe keep it there, maybe not. I'll put it somewhere so that you can access it for sure. We won't be putting it in the garbage or anything like that. It'll it'll stay out there in the world. But in a few months, we will be moving forward with a totally new one. The name will be announced soon. And it is still very much under construction, so I'm not going to be able to reveal anything just yet, but no, it's legit going to be baller. I'm so excited. I can't wait. For now, though, this podcast is so fantastic, and I'm so honored to have you listening. Thank you for being here, and I hope that you will join me when the new one debuts. I've also been working really hard on healing myself now for over a year since my mom passed, and there's so much to heal, 
But I honestly, I'm here for all of it. And I'm so grateful for the path that I'm on. It's really just such a privilege to do this work. Okay, so now that we're all cut up, let's break down today's episode. Today, I want to discuss complicated mother grief. Complicated mother grief isn't just for people who have lost their mothers. It's for all of us with a complicated relationship with our moms. Grief is a very important part of the healing process from narcissism. And so it absolutely belongs in this discussion, regardless of where your mom is in the physical world, (laughs) either she's alive or not. It really doesn't matter. The healing needs to take place. But I also want to talk about losing my mother so that maybe someone will benefit from my experience, not just what it's like to go through that process, but also I have a very new perspective that I've gained from that experience and I want to share it with you so that maybe you can benefit. So this episode isn't intended to be totally heavy and hard. My goal is to bring a lot of hope and resilience along with some of the heavier details. After all, this is really what it's all about. You know, life coaching and the work I put into the world is about acknowledging the realities of life with and after narcissists. And, and especially the amazing possibilities available to you right now, regardless of what you've been through. So we'll start with mom and what that was like, get into my lessons that I've learned and how they apply to you right now and what you can do starting today to untangle your complicated relationship with your mom. There's also a special invite into a free coaching call that's happening this Friday. Today is Tuesday, May 10th. And so the the coaching call is happening on Friday, the 13th. The details will be in the show notes and that is designed to help you implement what you've learned here and to really dive into your your specific circumstances so that you can really start to untangle and get a, a grip and a releasing of all of that complication with your mom. But if you're listening after the call has take, taken place, go ahead and just get on the email list. You'll get instant access to all of my trainings, all of the PDFs that I've made, any workbooks that I've done, any calls that I've done, the email list is a perfect place for that. All right, so let's get going. In the early morning hours of March 14th, 2021, my mother decided to end her life. I haven't been terribly public about this, but now I'm feeling a lot more ready to talk about it. I've never, I never thought that my mother's suicide would be my reality. To this day, it's a strange thing to wrap my head around. There was no note, only the evidence that left no doubt that it was intentional. So we can really only guess why. We know that she was in a lot of chronic pain. We know she had severe anxiety. She lived alone. She had a lifetime of heartaches and life struggles. And But it's also possible that some of her uh, antidepressants may have triggered a suicidal episode we we don't know, but based on other evidence, we do believe she had been planning it for some time. We did everything we could to save her, but we couldn't. The moment I found out my mom was gone was probably the most harrowing experience of my life. Everything in me collapsed. There was so much shock and loss and crying and numbness. It was something I couldn't even think about beforehand, much less accept as my reality. It was days later before we discovered that it was actually intentional. And that was another totally new wave of shock and collapse. I mean, talk about 
trauma. Like that was emotionally traumatic for me in ways I couldn't possibly have predicted or even comprehend. So I don't have time today to get into every emotion I felt and how I moved through it all. There's probably going to be a, a book I write about this later, perhaps in some future day. But for now, I need to focus on the most important things about that whole experience. Number one, I want to talk about why our relationship was complicated. I want to talk about how that affected my grief process. And I really want to dive into a really powerful experience that I had and all that it taught me and how it changed me. So mom and I had a complicated relationship because there were a lot of conflicting emotions. I felt love and resentment. I felt gratitude and bitterness. I felt tenderness and fear. I wanted to be close, but I also wanted to escape all of the time. And that on top of all the ways in which she acted out her wounds through her narcissist tendencies and all the ways in which I survived them. There's that, that dynamic there. It was both of us for sure. And I felt a lot of conflicting emotions when she died. There was so much loss, but there was also relief. There was a lot of sadness, but then there was tons of anger and bitterness and resentment. And then there was a ton of apathy and numbness. And I felt profound emptiness. And okay, by the way, brains on grief are totally a thing. So when I was processing all of that grief, my brain, it was such a strange experience, was in total brain fog. I mean, obviously there was depression too, but there was like this listlessness. There's this disorganizedness for months. I think I've talked about this before. I probably have some undiagnosed ADHD. I haven't really gone to a professional about it, but if I do have ADHD, boy, that was on a whole new level during my grief moments. It was like I could not function. There was such a grief fog over my life. It was, it was, it was crazy. But anyway, so if you're dealing with a heavy grief event, it's really likely that your brain is not going to be able to function normally, probably for a while. So give yourself tons and tons of space, tons of tons of support for your brain. And it's just, there's just so much reconstruction happening going on with your neural pathways and the memories and the emotions. There's just so much happening in your brain. So you, so if you're passing through grief, definitely give yourself tons of space anyway. So all of those conflicting emotions I had with my mom, I really wanted to love her, but there was so much pain. It was hard to feel safe around her. But then there was also this obligation to be around her. So I want to talk about some specific emotionally abusive things that I went through and also that my clients have been through that they go through specifically with our moms. And yet at the same time, we're expected to continue to love and honor our mom like other people do. And that that does some crazy stuff to your mind and to your emotional self. So let's dive into some specific examples. A lot of times I was guilted into doing things I didn't want to do. Uh, my mom relied on me to fix a lot of her emotional problems. I was triangulated into drama with others and I was expected to be loyal to her. I frequently felt like I was between a rock and a hard place, trying to make my mom happy, but also trying to manage the conflict that wasn't even mine. Um, 
she sometimes made fun of me or insulted me, but then told me that I was crazy or that she was just joking or how dare I question her, things like that. Um, she dismissed my concerns and pains that directly related to her behavior. So I wasn't allowed to question. I wasn't allowed to complain or call out any of her behavior that was harmful to me. Now, this is this particular thing didn't happen to me a lot, but a lot of my clients pass through this where they have been accused of being the narcissist in the relationship, which I think is hilarious. My mom never really accused me of that because she wasn't thinking about narcissism. But so many of my clients have dealt with this where you're the narcissist, right? Anytime a, a person with narcissist tendencies picks up on the tools, they will immediately use them against you. So just be aware of that. I was labeled the golden child in my family which honestly is just as damaging as being labeled the black sheep. Uh, there's a lot of that going on. And sometimes it would, it would vary. Like there would be a child who was the golden child and then I was the black sheep and it kind of like rotated. And anyway, so, uh, she would judge my choices, constantly pushing me to do or be something that I wasn't. She would disrespect or cross my boundaries and even try to get me to dismiss my own boundaries, um, for her sake. She was dismissive of my emotions and my experience, my experiences, especially when they went against hers or made her feel threatened um, or made it mean that she did something wrong. That was definitely a no-no. She would justify a lot of her behavior and the things that she did that I just talked about using religious principles or scriptures or um, expectations in uh, the church context. That was very confusing and wasn't fun. I was pressured into having a really close, intimate relationship with her emotionally, uh, but she never took responsibility for her own actions. So it was a very one-sided type of relationship. It it kind of looked two-sided because because she would do things sometimes to caretake my emotions to try to like, you know, keep me focused on her. But it was really it felt like a one-way street because I was always the one that had to apologize or uh, make things right. Uh, she would frequently blame me for her emotions and then expect me to fix it. And she would withdraw her love until I did fix it. She would have unrealistic expectations. And when I would inevitably fail, there would be more guilt and shame. Uh, but I was always expected to keep trying. She, she was really big about secrets and, uh, keeping her secrets, keeping, uh, the narrative uh, outside of our family uh, safe from the truth about what was going on and what she was saying and doing. I wasn't allowed to vent to anybody. I wasn't allowed to talk about what I was going through or what I was experiencing. That was absolutely a, a, a big no, no. <laughs> and even to this day uh, with her suicide, it was like, a, 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 it was really hard for me and still is hard for me to talk about it because there's that sense of, this is certainly not something she would want people to know. But at the same time, there's this rebellious part of me that's like, I want to shout it from the rooftops and make it completely public on a podcast for everyone to listen to. Uh, anyway, it's a weird sort of dualistic emotion that I have about this particular knowledge. But I've ultimately decided to share it in the hopes that it will be helpful so that you can understand what's happening in my life. But me sharing it is not about blaming her or sharing her secrets or trying to embarrass her. That's not what's happening. But there's that balance of acknowledging the truth uh, 
that, that sits really comfortably in between wanting to hide and also wanting to shout it from the rooftops. And that's what we're doing here. Uh, she also tried to undermine my marriage a lot. She would encourage discord between my husband and I. Uh, she would want to, she would kind of be excited if like he and I were fighting about something and she'd want to know all the details and she'd, you know, <laughs> it was a weird thing that she would do because, you know, she had been through several divorces and I think it was really hard for her to watch her children or at least me in that particular moment in time, she was, it was really hard for her to see that I had a really healthy marriage because she was never able to achieve that in her life, which brings me a lot of, of pain as well. I mean, I think it's really sad that my mom wasn't ever able to have a healthy marriage and, and it breaks my heart and it was obviously not easy for her to witness that. And so sometimes she would be really proud of me and be really happy for me. And other times she would try to undermine it uh, because it would bring her a lot of comfort and peace knowing that she wasn't alone, uh, in marriage struggles, but ultimately I still do have an amazing, wonderful and healthy relationship. And so that I'm sure was really hard for her to deal with. She also threatened suicide a lot when I was growing up and she always said, you know, I could never do that to y'all. I could never ever do that to y'all. That would be horrible. I'm just really having a hard time. And so I never really took it seriously, but that was the thing. She would threaten suicide and, ultimately she did it. She ultimately deprived me of more time with her, traumatized me by ending her life without any thought of what it would do to us. Or at least that's what I think it's equally as possible, honestly, that she probably did think of us in the end, thinking that she was doing us a favor, maybe thinking that she was a huge burden on us. Um, I mean, there's just so much to say here. I honestly don't know the thoughts that she was having those last moments. And I wish I knew, but it, this is just one thought that I have that's traumatizing for me and what I deal with. So, so all of these, these examples of how, you know, emotional abuse played out in my life. And sometimes my, my client are just small examples. And I bet you could probably come up with your own list. And in fact, there are books out there that are just filled with all the ways in which emotional abuse can happen with a mom. But I also want to, I want to talk about the flip side of that. On the other hand, my mom did so much to show love for me. She sacrificed so much so that I could have a good life. And this isn't to say, you know, to bring a lot of guilt to the table, that's not going to serve us, but it's good to acknowledge the reality here too, that she really did live her life for her children so that they could have a better life. And I believe that she absolutely succeeded. She kept me safe. She fed me. She made sure I was educated. She made sure that I learned the gospel she made our birthday special and our holiday special. She loved my kids. She was such an amazing grandma. Like she played with our kids. She showered them with gifts. It was just such a pleasure watching her be a grandmother. She visited us. She allowed us to visit her. She made, um, made it possible for me to go to college. She supported me on my mission. She made my wedding really special and that whole process, such a wonderful experience for me buying the dress and setting up the reception and being there for the ceremony and all of the things being there for the pictures. It was just, she made my wedding amazing. She made sure I had piano lessons growing up and other fun extracurricular things. She tucked me into bed at night as a, as a kid. She read stories to me. She spent time with me. She taught me how to cook things. She supported my dreams. Uh, did you know that my mom was actually my first paid client? I don't know if I've talked about this in the podcast or not, but it's true. I, I have this little check that she wrote me. The first money I ever earned in my business came from my mom. And I have 
sorry, I'm gonna get emotional. I have that check posted here in my office. I can see it every day. And it means the world to me. She believed in me. She was the first person to lay money on the table and say, I believe in you and I want to learn from you. And I want to get your help. That was just, just foundational. And I, I will always love and appreciate her for that. And all the things she did for me, she would write me the most kind and supportive notes. She would just, uh, listen to me when I was having a hard time. And I, listen, I could go on and on about all the wonderful ways that my mom was such a good mom to me. And I bet you could list your own ways in which your mother wasn't abusive and why you wouldn't want to necessarily cut her off or throw her out, sorry, throw out all the things that she did that were good. So that's what I want you to do right now. I want you to take some time to, to do this exercise, to take some time to really look at the truth of your complicated relationship, sort out the feelings, sort out the memories. What are the good things and what are the potentially abusive things? Remembering that it's okay to look at the truth. It's okay to find all the things that are there, good or bad. And like me, you may have been conditioned to completely ignore, dismiss, explain away any negative things so that you could feel safe and feel like you were being a good and loyal child. And I want to offer that that kind of thinking and that kind of relationship is a little bit toxic and ultimately will damage you. And it's likely affecting other areas of your life. So if you are struggling to come to terms with the reality of your relationship, I can help. The, the coaching relationship, the coaching that we do, it is a safe space where you can really take a look at all of these things and explore what shame and guilt and fear may have been keeping from you so that you can heal. So once you have everything on the table, good and bad, sorted into those two categories, and maybe there's some things that fall under you know the middle, that's fine too, but I really just want you looking at everything, all the ways in which your mom showed love, all the ways in which your mom wasn't abusive and all the ways in which her narcissist tendencies came out, it really will help you set the foundation to start looking at your thoughts about all of this. So the most fascinating thing I experienced in the last year or so has been knowing that all of my pain is coming from my thoughts and feeling that pain anyway. Because the truth is my mom's death does not cause me pain. My mom's death is a neutral circumstance. It is the thoughts that I'm having about my mom's death that caused me pain. Now let's be clear. Okay. This is not a problem. And this is not about blaming someone for my pain, including myself thinking painful thoughts about losing my mother is absolutely okay. It's absolutely necessary. And I loved that I could see those thoughts and not to do anything to try to change or fix them. I could allow them because I love my mother, because I love myself. Of course I'm having these thoughts. Even though, yes, I am feeling pain because they're present, they, this actually is serving me. It's serving me to heal. For example, super painful thoughts I was having were about that I didn't do enough for her. And so I would have this sense of blame and responsibility for her death that I was carrying around with me all the time, that, that I wasn't there for her in her final moments. It took me months to move through the responsibility that I felt for her choice. 
my mind, it kept ruminating on what I could have done more, how I could have changed things, why I didn't move in with her or advocate more for her or make her do more healthy things, why I didn't get an impression to check on her, why I didn't wake up in the middle of the night with a powerful knowing and connection to her that she needed me to save her. I mean, my mind went all over the place. Why couldn't I save her? I really believed it was all on me. And and this is because when you lose your mother in this traumatic way, at least for me, all the inner child versions of myself at different ages all came to the forefront. All the little child parts of me who don't understand adult things believed that I was 100% in control and I was able to prevent this horrible tragedy. It wasn't also, it was also because I had a lifetime of adults taking advantage of the childlike need that I had to feel safe by making the adults around me happy. When the reality is that children don't make adults happy. Children aren't responsible for saving their parents from their choices. My mom made a choice for reasons that I probably couldn't comprehend, reasons that have nothing to do with me. And I learned after laboring under these beliefs and the pain of believing these things and grieving them out and processing them out over and over again, that it is okay to let my mom take responsibility for her choices. There's something powerful in that. And I want to invite you to do the same, if, especially if you're struggling with blaming yourself or believing that you have to fix your mom all the time. Her choices belong to her. Her emotions belong to her. Her thoughts belong to her. They always do. Even if she doesn't know it, even if she doesn't acknowledge it, even if she continues to blame you, they still belong to her. You can allow that to belong to her always. And it doesn't have to be from a place of bitterness or, or counter blame. It can be from a place of love. It can be from a place of allowance and a beautiful just understanding that what belongs to you belongs to you and what belongs to her belongs to her and it's okay. Narcissism is, is so fascinating to me because my mother's life and suicide really show the powerful effects and the ultimate conclusion of the narcissist agenda. Narcissism at its core is self-hatred, which inevitably leads to self-destruction in one form or another. And this is why I advocate so much against self-erasure, because that path could ultimately lead to this end. My mom committed suicide because she wanted to feel better in one form or another. That's because all narcissism is about trying to feel better, trying to get emotional needs met with harmful tools. And it's a never ending cycle. If you rely on using harmful tools and using people and harming others to feel better, if you rely on being good enough just to be loved, to earn love, if everything is always someone else's fault, and if you never address the deep inner hate you develop to survive your narcissist, the brain ultimately gets to this point of total self-destruction, or at least it could, to the, in order to end the pain. And now, this isn't to say that all people with narcissism commit suicide, and I'm not saying that all those who have committed suicide are narcissists, but this particular path absolutely points in that direction. And the work you do here to heal 
could have profound life-saving effects. One of the most painful parts about losing my mom, and there was plenty, okay, but the big one was that I wasn't there for her final moments. This reality broke my heart in ways that I didn't know that my heart could break. I didn't know. I didn't know this was my expectation and that it would be so devastating for me to not get to be there for her. I had so many thoughts about this, of course, but most of them centered around her final moments. My brain constantly went there. I kept imagining the whole scene. The images are so real and so detailed that they felt like memories. I was constantly reliving a moment that I didn't even live through. (laughs) And I was suffering as if I had lived through it. It was crazy. I had thoughts like I was supposed to be there. Daughters are supposed to be there for their mothers at the end. I had like visual images of her going through the act of ending her life. It was so intense. You know, even my mom, who had a very broken relationship with her mother, her mother was an alcoholic. She was extremely narcissistic, so abusive. My mom was there for her mother at her passing. She was there for her. She was able to let her go. She was able to to have that closure with her. And I just had this fantasy in my mind that I would be there for my mom too. At the end, I would, I would, I would be the one telling her it was okay to go. I would help usher her into the next phase of her existence and experience that passing with her. But no, that was not my reality. She was alone when she left this world. And that breaks my heart. At least she was alone from people living. (laughs) My hope is that she really wasn't alone in the end. And that's what, what I hold on to. But that is just terrible. You know, at least, and those are the thoughts I'm thinking about how terrible it is. And I'm okay that I feel terrible about this. You know, I think about birth and I think about how my mom was there when I entered the world. Gosh, I don't know why it's still is something that is still broken for me. But like I said, I really am okay with it. And I just wanted to be there for her when she exited it. Excuse me. I really wanted that. But it's so interesting to see that and experience that and also know that like, that's about me. My mom didn't want anyone to be there for her in the end. She wanted to be alone. And me wanting to be there for her is about me. I can see that and I can understand it, but it's still very painful and that's okay. You know, my therapist was really good about this. And by the way, I highly recommend if you're going through trauma, I highly recommend EMDR therapy. That has been so helpful for me. It's the gold standard for trauma recovery. So please get yourself an EMDR specialist if you have dealt with heavy things like suicide or, you know, physical, emotional, mental abuse, things like that. As a coach, our work is to build your resilience and to help you have the life that you want, despite what you've been through. But if you are deep in a trauma response, absolutely work with a a therapist who is trained in EMDR and have a coach, have both, do whatever you want. (laughs) I have both. I have multiple coaches. I have one therapist and like two or three coaches. It's, it's amazing. Anyway, one thing that she said that really helped was, you know, you were set up for this. You were set up to care for her your whole life. And in the end, when it mattered most to you, she didn't let you. And 
so, so, you know, what was my brain to do with this, with this reality? It just kept trying to mentally create that experience for me as if I was there over and over and over again, it haunted me. And I knew I could see it was my own brain, but I was in no position to stop it because I was in a trauma response. I was not in a place where I could be coached quote unquote out of it. And I didn't want to be. And that's the beauty of the coaching tools. You know, sometimes the, the thoughts we have, even if they're causing us pain are serving us. And sometimes the thoughts that are causing us pain are not serving us. They're keeping us stuck in old patterns. They're keeping us from having the life we want. But in this particular case, this is what I needed. And so this brings me to the amazing experience that I had on the anniversary of her passing, which was in March of 2022. All that week and all that day leading up to it, I felt a weird leading up to feeling. I kept counting down the days and I kept counting down the hours. I had no intention of sleeping that night. Like I just knew I wasn't going to sleep. And I I come to find out that my brain was preparing me for doing what apparently is called sitting vigil, vigil. (laughs) I think that's what it's called for the night my mom passed. My brain was setting me up. My brain and my body were setting me up to experience in my mind everything that I believed that she was doing and mentally and emotionally being present for her as she did them so that I could at least be a witness for her that maybe in some cosmic miracle, it counted as if I had been there that night I stayed awake. I cried and I sobbed until I was exhausted. I, I stared. I, I just, I just stayed present I, my thoughts took me to that place where she was. I could picture it, her in her house. And as the hours passed, I got really sleepy right around the time that she was probably passing into the next world. And it was a beautiful, harrowing, hard, heavy, but amazing moment to be able to, to put myself there. Uh, and be a witness for her. And maybe she didn't want that. So I hope that that's not a problem, but, but I needed it for me. And it was so amazing because the next day I felt so much lighter. It was like a burden had been lifted. Like this burden I'd been carrying for a year had finally lifted. It was just so profound. It taught me such a huge lesson about the power of our minds, our needs as humans, our thoughts and our permission to choose if we want to. It taught me that thoughts we think that cause us pain are not a problem and that they might actually have a purpose to them that doesn't require my interference. It taught me that my healing really is in my own hands. I didn't have to physically be there to heal. I could create it for myself and it really did create healing. That's how powerful it is. That's how powerful the subconscious is. It taught me that no one can do the healing for you. No one can make you heal or not heal. It's all right there right now in your own mind, in that gorgeous mind of yours. And it taught me also that if you're not healing right away, it might mean that you don't need to yet. I think for the first year after my mom passed, it was like I was trying to heal. I was trying. 
and I was coming up short. I was frustrated. It wasn't working. And I realized now it was because I needed, I needed to have that time and I needed to be in that moment on the anniversary. It was like my body was waiting to heal and, and that's okay. That was not a problem. You don't have to be in a rush to feel better. You don't have to force it. There is no timeline. But for me, that anniversary moment was crucial in a lot of the healing progress. It taught me that I can have whatever relationship I want to have with my mom and that she doesn't have to change. Reality doesn't have to change in order for me to heal as if things had changed. This is powerful stuff because it is total freedom. Your mom is who she is for a reason that has nothing to do with you. And you get to choose how you want to feel about your mom at any time. And if that doesn't feel true for you yet, it's also not a problem. If you are ready, you can begin to sort out all the complicated emotions to get a a look at reality without being afraid of making it mean something terrible about you or your mom because it just is, and that's okay. Or if you do mean make it mean something terrible, honestly, that's okay too. <laughs> I think a lot of times we're just in a lot of pain about our complicated relationship with our moms, and we want to fix that pain as soon as possible. But you have to understand, and this is something I learned too, when you're dealing with the inner you, I, I like to call it the creature. I don't know why. <laughs> the the, the subconscious you, the inner child, the part of you that is very rooted in survival, when you're dealing with that part of you, that part of you is not going away. That part of you is part of you. You can work with that part of you and you can create the life that you want, but ultimately you can't shove down that part of you and make that part of you silent because that part of you is absolutely going to survive no matter what. And the more you try to push it down, the more you try to control it, the less control that you have. Trust me, that's something I've learned over many years. And so if you're in a rush to heal because you want to feel better, but it's not working, that's because the inner you, the creature, whatever, that person needs to be dealt with. And I don't say creature like, you know, like an animal or a beast. Like I say creature in the sense that like, This part of me is so rooted in the earth. It's so rooted in the evolutionary process of human beings. And I have a prefrontal cortex. I have a conscious brain, but there is a very huge part of my brain that is not conscious that I don't have total control of. And that part of me is very real and doesn't need to be controlled or managed. It needs to be worked with. It needs to be acknowledged. It needs to be loved. It needs to feel safe, right? But it doesn't need to be controlled and changed and forced into something just so that I don't have negative feelings in my body, right? Your negative feelings are not a problem. Your pain, your emotions, none of that is a problem. It feels terrible. Yes, I want to acknowledge that reality for sure. But it doesn't mean that you have to force anything to change. So I hope this was helpful for you. This So this coming Friday is when we'll be doing a live coaching call and training where we can unpack some of your complicated emotions with your mom so you can start detangling those and, and starting to feel better, but really starting to feel more the, the person who 
has the relationship that she or he wants with their mom. Just because things are complicated, it doesn't mean that you have to feel complicated about it. (laughs) We can explore. There's really no end goal here of feeling amazing. You can feel amazing and that is available to you. But really, I want this call to be about let's look at the reality, let's untangle some things, and let's see what it is that you truly want, and let's see if we can create that for you. Come to the call. Uh, If you're listening to this podcast before the call, be prepared with having done the exercise. You can raise your hand and get coached, and you can just listen into others' coaching if that's really what you want. If you're catching the replay, that'll be a really good chance for you to listen and apply the coaching that someone else receives to your specific situation. I actually love getting coached that way. It is so transformative because when you're in the hot seat of being coached, sometimes like fight or flight takes over and you're like, what just happened? I have no idea what is happening and you have to kind of re-listen to it to really absorb the coaching. So when you're listening to someone else get coached, it's a really safe way for you to absorb any of the coaching and you can apply your situation to what's happening. So the link to register for the call or to catch the replay is going to be in the show notes and you can register for that. You can enjoy that. You can email me with with any questions that you have, and you can also book a consultation so that we can take all of this work on a deeper level. This is what I do every single day with my clients. We untangle complicated emotions. We help you build new skills. We help you build resiliency, learning how to set boundaries. We help you understand yourself and most importantly, and most fun, we help you build the life that you want. We help you reach the goals that you want to have, build that family that's healthy, create more wealth in your life or in your business, you know, create more of the results that you want, that all of this heavy uh, narcissism, uh, survival mechanisms have been holding you back from. And that's really the purpose of what we're, we're doing. We want to feel peace. We want to feel love. We want to feel clarity. We want to feel grounded. And it's doing this work that can create that for you. So I coach people one-on-one on this. I'd love to invite you on a free consultation call. The link for that as well is in the show notes. It's um, a form that you fill out so that we can get a lot on the call of what you're dealing with. And we'll talk about finalizing all those details so we can begin that coaching relationship. Thank you so much for listening. You have been through a lot in your life. Okay. And my hope that as you apply this work on whatever level you're ready for, so much love and peace and healing can come through and you can really start to fulfill your potential and reach your goals and have what you want in life because that is available to you. That is available to you starting right now. I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll catch you next time. Bye. Hey there. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, working one-on-one with me just might be what you're looking for. I invite you to book a consultation. It's a free one hour conversation focused entirely on your situation that will change your life. Email me directly at laura at bythewaycoaching.com to get started. Can't wait to see you soon.